not in Kansas anymore. You have my curiosity. Are you telling me you built a time machine? The force will be with you. Hey, and welcome back to the Get Real podcast. So this is going to be part two of our two-piece Dark Knight trilogy episode. So let's just jump straight back into the action with the Dark Knight and the Dark Knight Rises. Well, I guess, to be honest with you, The Dark Knight, everyone kind of knows this film and probably knows where everyone stands on it. It is, it is ace. It is the best out of the three. Yeah. And yes, Heath Ledger's Joker yeah. drives this film. And, and, like, sadly, yeah. and sadly enough, like the film that we're probably going to talk about the least is going to be The Dark Knight Rises. Because I feel like these two films, between The Dark Knight and The Dark Knight Rises, they're very much like the intro sequences are great villain intro sequences i think the batman that we have in both of those films is very much the same i don't think there's as much of a difference between the batman begins version of christian bale that what we get in the dark knight and the dark knight rises apart from his characters i I think he is quite different but then like you said it doesn't change really between films yeah um i think almost in these films Batman and Bruce Wayne becomes a secondary character to the villains. Yeah, the villains are definitely front and center. Yeah, yeah. It's like that was what interested Chris Nolan more. Yeah, was. And I think you could say it's the dichotomy between like the order that Bruce Wayne wants to bring because he's really good at writing uh, Christian Bale's Batman mm. and and uh, the villains as well. But I feel like he had more fun and more interesting things to say with the villains, although he was trying to contrast them to his, like, you see in each version, uh, sorry, like in each film, like the Joker is the perfect contrast for him in that film. And then Bane and Talia al Ghul are a great contrast for him in that film. Yeah. And I think that's something that Chris Nolan does really well is he has an amazing understand of, uh, amazing understanding of philosophy. Um, like you can tell like each one of the dark knight films focuses on a different area of um philosophy yeah and most of his films do like you talk uh, you think we'll have to do a chris nolan episode at one point because i I just want to talk about him forever like he does a lot of films about the self and what it means to be the self and the lie of the self and stuff but he uses the batman trilogy to talk about society and mm. society's impact on the individual as well yeah so and that the joker in this i said for a long time i don't know if you remember me saying this he almost didn't feel like the joker obviously he is and i understand like I, over the years i've loved the role even more mm. like he felt almost like too precise and like he was trying to say too much mm. like he had too much of a political message yeah. Whereas, but I think that's just Chris Nolan. Yeah. I think that's his storytelling. Whereas normally the Joker is just pure anarchy, doesn't plan anything yeah. out, and he just wants to inflict chaos. Whereas this, like, he wanted to make a statement, and you can tell that through his dialogue all the time. Yeah. And I think what helps that come across is in The Dark Knight and The Dark Knight Rises, you have one grounded villain, and that one villain is the focus. So you're not spreading it too thin. Yeah, which I think is what happens in Batman Begins. So yeah, in terms of the the Joker in the Dark Knight, obviously phenomenal performance from Heath Ledger. You know, 
may he rest in peace. It, it's sad that such an amazing piece of work was ultimately the end of him. The thing yeah. that people remember, most people remember him most for, and like the best thing that he ever did was also the worst thing for him personally. Yeah, and that's really sad to think of. It is really yeah. sad, and it's even sadder to know that you know the the potential that he had as an actor and he had to go on and do more of that you know not do more of that as and go through what he did when he did the role because obviously he was heavily on sleeping pills and stuff like that but that as an actor to then maybe see that you know that character again would have been in a more of a development of that and that relationship that they have between batman and the joker in this film it would have been brilliant to see again but i think maybe in such a tasteful way that it's nice that that is all we had in this trilogy. Yeah. Um, I wouldn't... Now knowing what we know, I wouldn't have wanted to see him in the third film because the Joker had an arc in that film. He proved a point. He yeah. achieved what he wanted to achieve. And it would have been sad to see, obviously knowing what he went through, if he had have still been alive, whether he would have tortured himself as much to get a performance like that again. Mm. And I'm kind of... I, I I wish had he have survived that he wouldn't have been in the third one. Chris Nolan would have had the foresight to think, right, we'll move on to the next story instead of bringing him back, like you said. Yeah, I like how the way this film starts off and kind of establishes him. I like how we've got the Joker gang and yeah. stuff, and I think the joke, like the Heath Ledger portrayal of the Joker isn't the laughing well he laughs you know what i mean but he isn't the laughing mark hamill animated joker that we get mm. that kind of everyone kind of Chaotic. wants yeah the, the the mark hamill animated version of the joker is like the kind of the standard for what we expect to have when we see the joker yeah, yeah. you know it's what all the video Artoony. game and the characters are based off and the comics are all there that that version links together very closely where what we have from Jared Leto and what we get from Walking Phoenix is all very different but this is almost a nice bridge of the gap between if this person in terms of the Joker this individual was to exist in real life what would he be like and he probably would be like that and yeah. you notice that what I picked up second time round is the story between how he gets the, gets the scars changes uh, a couple yeah. of times and it's nice because it's almost like, you know, you, you start to think, oh, he's got a family, he's got a dad, and then it's like, no, he's not. He's just telling people, like, these stories because he's a psycho. Yeah. And I like how, you know, the fact that the character himself, you know, he's got the scars. He's got a mm-hmm. scarred smile. is awesome. Yeah. And, he's got the, the Chelsea smile, hasn't he? Yeah. And how he's, like, the bit the where he tortures that... In, ba- in the Dark Knight, you have those people of Gotham that dress up like the Batman and try mm. to do their own vigilante stuff. Yeah. The bit where he captures one of them, it's after the bit where it's that jump scare, which I, you know I love, <laughs> uh, where that, um, he's, he hangs one, doesn't he, and puts the Joker makeup on him and he smashes it he oh, hits yeah, against yeah, the yeah. window. Yeah. Um, and then there's the, the videotape that goes out afterwards of where he's like getting the guy to look at him yeah and he's like talking and he's saying are you the batman and stuff and but he goes like evil he's like look at me and it's like and then he has the bit where he turns around and then he's like this is what you've caused gotham to become 
and it's like he's focusing the camera on him and then he does that like crazy laugh and then the video goes off and it's just so sinister yeah but then you've just got this calculated he's got a gang you know and it's it's so it's so much of a, a perfect bridge between what the joker should be and what we what he should be on film yeah so like the realistic equivalent and yeah, uh, ha- you mean like halfway between like the cartoony crazy guy, correct, and, yeah. and the realistic, correct. Yeah, yeah. I reckon the Jared I Leto think that version is... goes too far in the other direction. Yeah, I think that is like you said, it's down to the performance. Like he did the research on what these things happen. Like he plays the part so well because he he was understanding like what a crazy person on all these meds will be doing. Like even down to the small thing. I know everybody's talked about this a million times. It's not new information, but antidepressants and sleeping pills and stuff like that dry your mouth out they make you dehydrated so the whole thing of him like licking his lips and smacking his lips a lot and stuff like that it's just tiny details that just you lose him in the role i know like that's such a a cheesy thing to say you do yeah but you you do. do like and because it was such like a turn of like so out of type for Heath Ledger like he had always been the guy in the rom-coms yeah. and then he did Brokeback Mountain which was completely different and then he did this and you do you lose him into those two roles because mm. he is a phenomenal method actor it's just sad that he went to method with it clearly yeah yeah but definitely it's just like you said it's so grounded in reality like I know people have said online like there's the fan theory that he was ex-military and stuff like that and maybe that's where the scars came from but like, just uh, I I I lose my words thinking about it. It is just such a perfect villain performance, and I guess that's why he won the award post his death. Um, but it's so good, and like that's the only thing that people want to talk about mm. when it comes to the Dark Knight is Heath Ledger because he is such the perfect villain in it. Yeah, the other things in the Dark Knight that are that are really good is obviously when we start when I say when. This is Nolan coming into his Nolan traits. Do you yeah, know what I mean? Yeah. Like visually, Nolan, yeah, you've yeah. got the bit where, um, whether you remember where there's the truck that is on fire that blocks the road of that convoy that Harvey Dent's in. Yeah. And then you've got, we've not even spoken about Harvey Dent, but, um, and then it goes down underneath and then you have that whole bit where he has an RPG and he shoots the, the Such prison a fantastic. Van. And it was done mostly practically as well. Nolan loves to do stuff in yeah. camera. You've got the, um, like I said, the bank sequence at the beginning that says, the, the hospital the bank manager up. is the guy from uh, Prison Break, but he's yeah. also in a lot of other stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he's class. Yeah. Um, and then so you've got good. the hospital scene. You've got so many iconic parts of this film, which are just fantastic. There's the there's a reason why this is the film from the yeah. trilogy. There's a reason why this is everybody's favorite Batman film. Yeah, and I liked in what rewatching this, the fall of Harvey Dent is brilliant as well. Yeah, that's I, really good. So I love like that's just like a little like they tease you with the little like philosophical saying of um, you, you can't either make, die you... the hero or you live long enough to see yourself become yeah. the villain. That is like such a smart way of changing harvey dent's character because he exactly, has always been yeah. this like ex-lawyer and all that and then something horrific happens to him and he snaps yeah and like this shows the downfall of this guy so well 
like you said, like the gradual decline, which is created essentially by the Joker. Mm, mm. It's so awesome. Yeah, because it's all that crazy bit where it goes a bit, he starts going up a bit off the rails when he says he's Batman and stuff. And then, yeah, it, it's so good. It's so good. And also just the tooth when he turns into Two-Face, that mm, looks amazing. Yeah. Um, so like yeah. well, we we kept saying like there's only like one central villain. There is a secondary villain, but for the most of the, the time, he is a protagonist. So in the film, he's basically he is the White Knight as opposed to Batman's the Dark Knight, and that is where like the film ends out is he he creates the noble lie of how um, Harvey Dent died mm. to save the city. So yeah. he, he maintains this white knight, Christ-like figure, whereas he took on all the sins of what they did, and that's why he ends up going on the run, and then the Batman disappears, because, you know, I was saying how all these films are based around philosophy and stuff like that. So most of, like, the trilogy is all about, um, what was his name? Uh, Gerard's theory of mimesis, so... Uh, imitation and causing rivalry and violence and that's why the human nature and society can't avoid violence unless we have something like holier something um more truthful and honest and out there i I can't quite remember the terminology um it's basically the white knight christ like figure yeah it's amazing really just for from a Batman Batman film, yeah. how how deep down the rabbit hole you can really go with this well, uh, in terms this of is, what it represents. It's yeah, crazy, isn't it? This is all from uh, Wisecrack. If you don't watch Wisecrack on YouTube or listen to their podcasts, they're amazing. Like They are all ex-philosophy and film students who just devour films and philosophy and just tell it how it is like it'll boggle your mind to begin with but if you watch boggles the video twice mind. it boggles your mind like i've had to watch this video so many times just so i can try and regurgitate it regurgitate it to you yeah. but like that uh, theory of mimesis is like it's explained so simply by commissioner gordon in about a minute like so it's basically like you see somebody with something so you want that thing but then it, it gets to a point where it's like, you don't just want the same thing, you want their thing. So yeah. that's where crime comes into it. Like, And Commissioner Gordon says, uh, if we start carrying semi, semi-automatics, they'll start carrying fully automatics. If we start wearing Kevlar, they'll start buying armor-piercing rounds. Yeah, It's like, it's the escalation. It's like, they'll copy you, but try and one-up you all the time. Mm. And that's what causes conflict. So he was basically saying that with this agent of chaos as well. And like he came to imitate the Batman, but uh, like the dark reflection of it almost. Yeah. Which is pretty insane. Like, like you said, it's a Batman film. <laughs> it's a Batman film. I don't see anyone going this deep down the rabbit hole with Dawn of Justice. <laughs> <laughs> well, people have tried. People have tried. People have tried. Wisecrack tried. tried yeah, but they yeah. were basically like, yeah. Nolan films are better. Yeah, for sure. Like for sure. it's absolutely insane. Go watch um they did a three part they did a trilogy on Chris Nolan. Go watch that. It'll blow your mind. But also they refer to how many literary references he mm. uses. Like Tale of Two Cities is the exact basis for Dark Knight Rises, which we'll get onto in a bit. So we spoke about a lot of uh the visuals of this film mm-hmm. and what would you say your favourite shot our scene was in this film there's a lot to choose from 
There is a lot to choose from. Oh, there is so and much I to choose from. And I forgot how much actually happens in this film. Like, once I got to the point where uh, Harvey Dent turns to Two-Face, I forgot there was the whole bit on the boats at the end and You've all got that. the entire third act after that. Yeah, it's crazy. I remember, so I've got really fond memories of seeing this film for the first time. Like, I didn't get to see it in the cinema. So Ooh. I remember... You got to see it in the cinema, didn't you? But I remember the day it came out on Blu-ray and DVD, we were all in town together with our mates, like, in the local shopping centre, and I went into HMB and I bought it. We went back to our mate Joe's house, and we all sat on his bed and watched it. Do you remember that? Yeah. And, like, that was such a sick night. And, like, I love this film. Like, I didn't get to see it in the cinema, but I got to see it there with all you guys, and that was cool. So you love it. So what's your favourite shot? Um, Favourite single shot? Um, or scene favorite single scene the interrogation scene is great because it reminded me of scenes like in the killing joke and stuff like that at the beginning of the, the killing joke where he's interviewing him in arkham asylum before they escape and stuff like that yeah like that's such and they just lay their philosophies out on the table it's very interesting you bring up Killing Joke because there is a lot of parallels of this film to that. There's a the Batman Joker relationship towards the mm-hmm. end where he's hanging upside down. Yeah. Um a really interesting way about how that shot is rather than showing the Joker upside down, it shows in the right way up. Yeah. Um which I found really weird. Um but yeah, you've almost got that um Killing Joke relationship where it's like the Joker's saying to Batman um, you can't kill me, you need me, and stuff yeah. like that. It's, like, so... Because he it. is, like, the dark reflection yeah. of him, essentially, yeah. Um, like, yeah. what Like what has come from the Batman. Like, the Batman was meant to be a, a symbol of, like, justice and, like, this holy Christ-like figure, but he's caused so much darkness, which is why he has to disappear at the end. Mm. Do you good- want to know why he's uh, shot? facing upwards instead of oh, hanging downwards on, probably you'll, you'll this is just me this. thinking this like whenever you see something upside down that should be the right way like it's out of the ordinary like it calls attention to like the discord doesn't it like yeah how much like in independence day when they hang the uh american flag upside down yeah to show that like the country or the world's on its head essentially mm-hmm. like things have been flipped and nothing's right so the fact that they shot him facing up um is like to because he's got a point with what he's saying yeah so it, the the fact that they're showing him facing up means that they're putting him on a equal like standing almost with batman instead of him being upside down and completely twisted they want you to think this guy could actually have a point yeah, is I what I'm so. thinking when I see it. It's a good way of looking at it. Mm. Yeah, um, let me know in the comments if you think I'm <laughs> right or just chatting out my ass. So the last bit I want to leave on with this film because we have obviously got the Dark Knight Rises to talk about as well. We're yeah. trying to shove two films in this part of the two nearly three hour films. Series. Yeah, um, the one little thing that bugs me in this film, Go which th- the film is very very much faultless, mm-hmm. it's a very little thing. Okay. So when the Joker goes um, to Harvey Dent in the hospital, yeah, how the hell does Harvey Dent only recognise who he is when he takes that like little little nurse mask thing yeah. off? Yeah, nothing like, to do with the wacky makeup the or wacky the fact that there's a dude in a dress. Yeah, <laughs> and he like reacts like whoa, whoa, like like it starts like maybe shaking. it's to do with how dosed up he is. Yeah, probably. It's also probably also just for, the for CG cinema. on the weird side of his face is so good when he's all burnt up. Yeah, it's really good because you. I think when you watch this, you 
always look at that side. Yeah. If you watch it, but focus on his non-burnt side, mm-hmm. it's almost like you get a lot more emotional out of the, emotion out of the character, because obviously you can emote more. Yeah. But on the other side, you just see someone who was just angry, because of obviously his face is burnt yeah. away. I would be pretty angry if half yeah, of yeah. my face burnt away as well. That's pretty so cool. Also, um, the whole bit about, like, at the end... Like, like I said, like turning Harvey Dent's face over, and that that speech at the end where they just make him into the scapegoat. That's another thing they talk about is like the like society or create a scapegoat to blame them for all their issues. Yeah, and it's very interesting because so that's good. where the Dark Knight Rises starts. Yeah, you start with the um, funeral of Harvey Dent, don't yeah. you? Uh, it's very, very and the noble lie essentially. Exactly. So to tie these the conversation of these films together. Both, a thing that happens with both of these films that I kind of noticed when I rewatched The Dark Knight Rises is it's shot in two or three different aspect ratios, both of these films. Okay. So, we, obviously, you've got your, your 16, I think it's 16, 16 by, by 9, nine. is widescreen, right? When mm-hmm. you've got your, your top and bottom. Your bars. Your, yeah. yeah, your black bars. It then changes and that then, uh, you know, Dunkirk. Yeah. Chris Nolan, Christopher Nolan does it in Dunkirk as well, where he changes the aspect ratio. That actually yeah. happens in both of these films as well. Okay. So but I've never noticed it. <laughs> yeah, well, you it's don't. Weird how because you don't. it's more about when when there's a lot going on in the scene... Which is what I noticed in towards the end of the Dark Knight Rises. So, um, as an example, you've got the bit where the police stand up and obviously go to the city hall or whatever. Yeah, take the on battle Bane at and, the end. Yeah, exactly. The big battle at the end. All the battle sequences are a larger aspect ratio, mm-hmm. where there's a smaller black bars yeah. at the top and bottom. Gives it more verticality. Yeah, so you see more in the shot, right? And then when you have the bit where it's Batman and Bane and they're having that big reveal where um, Bane isn't the kid who crawls out of the um, prison, it's Talia. Um, That then gives you that 16 by 9 aspect ratio because it's closing in. Yeah, it gives you the focus on the characters and the emotions. I think the technicality of this is when when you choose to shoot with anamorphic lenses and then that then, if you ever look at how an anamorphic lens is shot... I think it's shot very much um, stretched out. Yeah. Um, and then you have to then bring it down and yeah. you stretch it back down and then that's where you get your, your black bars naturally. Yeah, that's where, yeah, that's where widescreen came and, from. But also I think it is a good tool to use for those kinds of sequences as well. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, we'll get on to the Dark Knight Rises. I think the yeah. first thing with this film is the cast. Oh, uh, well, we haven't mentioned him even though he's been in all these films. We mentioned him quickly. Gary Oldman. As Commissioner Gordon. Very good Commissioner oh, Gordon. Gary Oldman is one of my favourite actors of all time. He's, like we said in, I think, part one, or maybe it was in this part, <laughs> it was like, um, he like he's a chameleon. You lose him in every role. Like, like you see him in Sid and Nancy, then you see him in Dracula, then you see him playing um, uh, Churchill. Yeah. Oh, yeah, uh, you do like, lose him in Churchill. Uh, Fifth Element. Like yeah, he he changes completely with every role. It's interesting how much Commissioner Gordon is used in these films. Like he's almost on par with the amount of screen time as what we get from Bruce Wayne Batman. Yeah. 
it's very different to what we get in, say... Well, I mean, we we only got Commissioner Gordon in Justice League in the new films, didn't we? We didn't get him in... Yeah, we had him in for one scene. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> On the so. rooftop. And it's it's interesting how much they use him as a tool, because he is an interesting character. Yeah. I mean, you just got to watch, you know, Gotham to an extent to see how much it, yeah, how much you can do with Commissioner Gordon. Well, I think Commissioner Gordon is really important, especially in The Dark Knight Rises, because he is the one delivering sort of like the messages. Mm. Like I said, like he's he's the one that tells uh, Bruce Wayne that Batman needs to return, that uh, his sacrifice no longer counts now that yeah. um, people are fighting again now that Bane's here. Mm-hmm. And you have, um, like I said... He even reads a passage from A Tale of Two Cities at Bruce Wayne's funeral at the end. Mm-hmm. And he is the one at the beginning who has to uphold the lie of Harvey Dent. Yeah. To keep correct, the Dent yeah. act going. So in terms of this film, um, I'll go through the cast in a second. But like what we had in The Dark Knight, we get a really strong villain intro as well. Mm. Where it's like... Both of these films have a fake out of who the actual main villain is. Like, there's a reveal. Yeah. Like, in The Dark Knight, there's he is just one of the guys who's pretending to be a thug. And in The Dark Knight Rises, he's pretending to be one of the prisoners. Yeah. Like, he's got the hood over it. And then, he, then the guy who plays Littlefinger in Game of Thrones pulls yeah, the hood yeah, yeah, off. Yeah. And then it's Bane underneath. And he's like, Bane. me. <laughs> oh, right. But, okay. So, we'll talk about Tom Hardy. Yeah, we'll talk it, Tom Hardy. In the cast list. Yeah. The first time we saw this in the cinema, I could hardly understand what he was saying. It's a lot clearer on the DVD version. I don't know if that's I'll, just because I was I'll tell front you why the... I'll tell you why it's clearer on the DVD version. Because they changed it? <laughs> because the ADR is absolutely mental when you watch this back. Yeah. It is so detached from everything else that Bane says, especially at the beginning on that plane. Yeah. It's like, let, let me give you an it example. It sounds like it's coming let, from somewhere else, doesn't let it? Let me give you an example. So this is me... Being a character that talks normally. Yep. And this is Bane. <laughs> it's literally so yeah, loud. Gotham I, hope, is... I hope that effect comes across on the mic. <laughs> oh my god, it's so loud. Um, Only when Gotham is in ashes do you have my permission to die. But then turn that up by about 5 dB and <laughs> oh my lord. Yeah, when, when I first saw it in the cinema, it was so booming and like low-endy that I just couldn't understand. Like, the bit in the um, the stadium, because mm. he's got, like, that tiny little headset mic, yeah. which, like, is meant to be crappy anyway. He's holding that up to his mask. He's like... <laughs> and that's, like, when he's giving his, like, mastermind speech, and you're like... Yeah, hey, it's much clearer what? when you watch it back on Blu-ray yeah. than what it was when we first watched it. Yeah, I, I, think agree. They, I do think they remixed it. So we'll stay on Tom Hardy. So this is hardly Tom Hardy in this. You get a lot of, you get a lot of. It's, um, it's premium Tom Hardy. What are you talking about? Well, it's about? premium Tom Hardy, of course. I mean, it's Tom. He's Hardy. He's doing the same acting that he does in Dunkirk. It's just all with the eyes. Yeah. Well, there you go. <laughs> no there face, is, just eyes. There is face expressions that you see that are the same. You 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 can tell he's there, but obviously we're covering that much of his face, yeah. and he's bald. You can't really see. Yeah, but it was a transformation. He's very much a character actor. Ripped. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> like, built like it a, was mostly like physical acting, wasn't it? Like yeah. holding onto the vest. He is built like Brains. a brick shit house in this film, isn't he? And to talk about that, he looks like a brick wall. Yeah, is like the only way to describe it. He a lot of 
shots when you get Bane in this film. You notice a lot of the characters are either like leaning down or kneeling or on the floor. Or he, Bane is always yeah, he's always from a height looking down at people to give you a bit of an idea of his size. Mm. And I think that's obviously to make up the fact that it isn't the Bane that we get in the comics. We don't have the, ve- is it Venom? The yeah. Venom serum or yeah. whatever that he takes. You don't yeah, have anything yeah. like that. The mask is there to keep the pain or whatever it was where he got um, beaten up yeah. by those people in the prison. Which I assume is to keep all his teeth in or something. I mean, uh, It's uh, administering like... Um, like antiseptics and uh, what is it? Anesthetics and oh, stuff. Oh, is that what it is? Yeah. So it's a bit like the venom, so venom that he takes. Well, the venom it? is to like jack him up in the comic books. Yeah. There's a little bit of you wish that like the, the bane that we got was kind of like the the more comic bane. Uh, or oh no, because it, would be it wouldn't have weird. It wouldn't have worked. I don't think because, like we said, the Nolan verse was a lot more grounded. Yeah, like, I agree. The scarecrow you could kind of make sense on. Like he wasn't that scary until you had. This toxin and like there is stuff like that that can make you hallucinate in the world, so that kind of is still grounded in reality. Whereas yeah. if you all of a sudden got like this guy who was like pretty buff and then he injected himself with something and he was like five foot taller and fucking roiding out, yeah. <laughs> like it wouldn't have worked. <laughs> no, we would have needed some crazy CGI for that. <laughs> and uh, you didn't need him because he was so jacked. Also, if you want to talk about the way he shot as well. From my memory, it seems like a lot of the time, because typically you shoot people at their eye line, don't you? Mm-hmm. I'm pretty sure most of the time with Bane, he's sort of like shot at chest level. Yeah. So that is, you yeah. as the viewer feel smaller compared to him as well. Yeah, there's never really a shot where you look at him like top down apart from like it's, uh, oh, he hears like the, the bat wing or whatever mm. um, and stuff like that. But he is, he is menacing in this film. Yeah. He is like a force. Well, the the unstoppable force, you know what I mean? The immovable the, object versus the unstoppable force. That's, yeah. that's a Joker reference from the Dark Knight. It is, but he is very much like a, a tank, isn't he? He's yeah. huge, and yeah. you get that power from him, especially he, in that he's Batman the man of, fight that you yeah. get at the end. He's like proper losing his shit and like smashing into that pillar, and yeah, it's cool. He's the man that broke the bat's back essentially yeah and that scene is awesome yeah I mean, we didn't get the asriel for people who uh we didn't get nightfall from those who know the comics yeah but um i, I didn't need it didn't need it no it no. wouldn't have worked it wouldn't like we didn't need joseph gordon levitt becoming like you whis- um, whispering his uh his secret code word that makes him turn crazy and then he becomes yeah. like yeah batman armored and <laughs> I, I wasn't a big fan of him Okay, so let's Joseph, go on to Joseph, Joseph Gordon-Levitt. Like, great actor. Yeah, oh, I wasn't, sorry, Robin. Yeah, well, that's... <laughs> yeah. I wasn't a big fan of that reveal at the end. It was so just off the cuff, wasn't it? It, it felt a bit forced. Now, going back to it, I kind of understand it because it's... So this film, a lot of people didn't like it as much as The Dark Knight, which I think that was due to Heath Ledger's performance. Yeah. But I think in this one, the biggest issue is that for... Batman and Bruce Wayne and stuff, it ends the same way that The Dark Knight did, like with him having to make the sacrifice and disappear into nothing to be this holy symbol to make people stop fighting. Like like the events just sort of retrack what happened in The Dark Knight. Like yeah. it doesn't really say that much new stuff. Like it just tries to do the same thing that The Dark Knight did, only now it's about uh, like um, class systems and economical warfare and stuff like that. Yeah. Like so the fact that 
it's then left to Robin at the end is to sort of simulate that it's all going to be constantly ongoing. So I think it is better than people kind of gave it credit for to begin with. Like, I don't know if Christopher Nolan and Jonathan Nolan, his brother who wrote it, were doing that intentionally, but it makes it all secular. Like, uh, it's a, a film about revolution, but then it also uses the other meaning of revolution as in constantly turning and repeating itself. Yeah. So it's sort of like he's passed on all the technology to be the next superhero, probably not Batman because Batman's dead. Like, he could have gone on to become Robin, as yeah, as we know it. It leaves him going up into the Batcave and yeah. stuff. And- yeah, which I, I, sits a lot better with me now after the fact. The time, yeah. yeah. At the time, I was like, I, I, I was also like, how old were we when this came out? Like, 17, 18. Yeah. And I was like, none of the Robins in the comic books were actually called Robin. Like, yeah. it's so cheesy. It's like Bruce Wayne being called Bruce Batman Wayne. <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> literally. Like, because, like, Dick Grayson is my favorite DC character as well, I think. Yeah. I think at the time I was just being a butthurt teenager, but now it sits a lot better with There's me. no Robin called Blake. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> In the like, comics, what is this? I was, I was like, Blake, it's like kind of like Tim Drake, but it's Blake, not Drake. Yeah, maybe that's what they were going for. But yeah, and then you had Anne Hathaway as Catwoman. Yeah. Very much a Catwoman character. There wasn't really much fault no. with that. She, she was quite an interesting take on it. Like, mm-hmm. um, She got the bat cycle at the end. Yeah. Bat-sickle. Bat-sickle, Yeah. <laughs> Uh, yeah, she, so cool. she's she's good. Yeah, she's good yeah, she's in this good. film. Yeah. Okay, so okay, yeah, carry on with the cast. And then what else we, have we got? Well, I've I've noted down a lot of minor characters now. Okay, uh, go you, on. we had obviously the guy who plays Littlefinger at the beginning. Yep. We also had that guy from Pacific Rim. Not that guy from the what role did he play? He played a scientist, but it wasn't oh. the guy who you know. It was the other guy. Yeah. It wasn't Charlie Day who was the... It, well, yeah, the, it, the other guy. Yeah, yeah the other guy. Yeah, not that's Charlie in Pacific Day. Room. Yeah. He was in Torchwood back in the day, the Doctor Who spin-off. Yeah, he was playing one of the um, um, Wayne execs. Yes. And so, he, he, he walks out into yeah. ice after being... I um, can't remember his name. After Have being, you got his name there? No. Oh. After, being, <laughs> <laughs> after, being, after being sentenced by Scarecrow, yeah. Cillian Murphy. Um, Killian Murphy. Killian Murphy, sorry. Uh, yeah, and he falls into it. I'm going to find out his name now. He falls into the water me. from the ice. Well, it's too late, Chris. We're moving on. We've got uh, <laughs> Ben Mendelsohn is in this. Bendo Mendo. Yeah, for a very short amount of time. I've, I was very surprised to see him in this film because I forgot he was in it. Mr. Bendo Mendo. Yeah, I like everything uh, he's in, to be it, fair. Is it Kai Owen? And then yeah, Kai Owen. Is, it, is that right? Like Kai Owen? No. Uh, Tell you what, tell us in the comments. Let us know, because IMDb is very slow. Uh, yeah, so obviously a lot of the minor characters in here that get killed off. Um, but yeah, I don't know, going back to Joseph Gordon-Levitt, I, I liked him as, as a police officer. I liked him as Blake, as, as you know, maybe a... Burn Gorman. Burn Gorman. Not Who who was the other guy, that you, the other person that you said then? Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I, I liked him as Blake. I, he didn't need to be Robin. Obviously, it sits better now than what it did. Yeah. But, yeah. It, it's a nice passing of the torch, almost the same way that Dick Grayson 
often takes up the mantle of Batman when Batman isn't around. Yeah. Which, recommendation, if you've not read uh, Batman Black Mirror, that was one of Dick Grayson's first cases as Batman. Mm. Really great story. Yeah. What did you think of the whole, like, Bruce Wayne being, like, this old, fragile guy at the end, at the beginning of The Dark Knight Um, Rises? It's very much like it's he's taken some time off. Yeah. Thing, and then he has to get that magical knee brace that never <laughs> comes back. Yeah, and also apparently some guy kicking him in the back fixes his broken back. Well, yeah, what what happens is... is he it's get, a cycle of pain, yeah, Sam. It's a cycle. He gets, it's a revolution of pain. Yeah, he gets like hoisted up and then that guy just punches him in the back yeah. and says, this needs putting back into place and punches yeah, it's him. it's like realigning his And then spine. just leaves him for like a few weeks or whatever and then he's just back, <laughs> climbs out. I like that whole bit. Okay. So, uh, are we done talking about the cast now? I'm done talking about it, Okay, right. Okay. So, you know I mentioned The Tale of Two Cities. Okay, here we go. Okay, so Charles Dickens' book, The Tale of Two Cities, it's about um, this guy um, who is accused of something, I'm not quite sure what, um, but he's from uh, Paris, and there's a guy who looks identical to him in London, and then it's during the French Revolution, he's accused of something... The guy in London is very much like high am I a high am aristocrat who doesn't really have any purpose in life type thing, and he finally finds his purpose in saving the Frenchman and taking his place and getting executed. But the whole book is about um, people's rebirth and stuff like that, or um, I can't remember the actual way that Charles Dickens writes it. He doesn't say rebirth, um, but it's similar to how. In this film, Batman has to come back and rebirth, and mm-hmm. there are people rediscovering themselves. Or like, like it's about Gotham reforming. It's about there's imagery of a phoenix rising from the ashes, yeah, um, which is what the whole bat symbol on the side of the building is for. And that's where you get um, there's a, the chapter which is about the final characters like rebirth um, in standing up and taking this. Um, Frenchman's place and getting executed okay. is called Fire Rising. Uh, okay. Which at the beginning as well, you know, the member of Bane's group that has to go down with a plane so that there's a body left behind. Yes. He says, um, Have we started oh. the fire? And he's like, The fire's rising. Oh. Yeah. And then okay. um, the third. The third act of the book, so the book split into like three books, I think, is the way it's done. It's called like um, Storm is Coming or something. Yeah. And what does um, Catwoman say to Bruce Wayne at the beginning? There's a storm coming, and oh. I hope you and your rich friends batten down the hatches for it. Oh, here's all the, the tie-ins. Like, it's like this film is just, it's a tale of two cities mixed with philosophy with a Batman skin on it. And like I said, like Commissioner Gordon reads from A Tale of Two Cities. The bit that he reads, I think, is um, the character's final speech before he is beheaded from A Tale of Two Cities. Mm-hmm. Like, like taking, uh, sacrificing himself to save the greater good because at that point, Commissioner Gordon thinks that Bruce Wayne is also dead. Even though we find out that he's not, he's alive in... Venice, is it? Or Florence? Uh, In Italy. I, I think, yeah, I think it's just a um, parallel to what the story that Alfred was telling him. Yeah. Um, yeah. 
it's yeah. very similar, isn't it? And he's there with with Anne Hathaway, yeah, in the cafe or whatever. And it's like, oh, yeah, I'm not really dead. That speech is Auto amazing. Pilot from- wasn't we didn't talk to- about Michael Caine. <laughs> Michael, I'm gone. <laughs> <laughs> Sam's the impressions Michael man. Clearly. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's Michael Bain. <laughs> I like it. Michael Bain. Um, you're only supposed to blow the bloody doors off, right? I've shut your what is it? I've shut your bones, mastermind. I've injured your cu- no. What is it? I've I've sewn your stitches. Tended I've, to your broken body. Yeah. Blah blah blah. And I I've will buried not. your fa- uh, parents, mastermind. But I will not bury you. <laughs> what does he do? Buries him, but does he bury him? Yeah. Buries nothing. Yeah. But he's not dead. He's alive. Michael Caine's good. In One this. week a year, mastermind. I go on a holiday and I go to Italy. Right? <laughs> and I, you know what I do? I sit. In a cafe by myself, and I order the same thing every time. And I wish that one day I would look up and I would just see you with a nice young lady enjoying your life. You need to put the Batman behind you, Master Wayne. The best thing <laughs> about that whole impression is I don't think the noise gate is going to pick you up. <laughs> it's going to keep, it's going to keep cutting in and out. But don't worry. Uh, uh, <laughs> I will That's what fi- it's gonna sound like. I will fix it. It's fine. I will <laughs> not let one. that sterling impression one. go to waste. <laughs> You're you- only supposed to blow the bloody doors off. Yeah, he's good. He's he's an Alfred, isn't he? Oh uh, yeah. He, I think he's probably the best Alfred that we've got on screen so I far. I think we're gonna be extremely surprised by Andy Serkis. Oh Alfred. yeah, he's gonna be really cool. We're gonna be I very think surprised. he's gonna be more sort of like you know, like the one that we got in Gotham or um, like uh, Batman Earth one. Yeah. So he's yeah. like because in all the versions, he's like ex-military, but this version, he's going to be like a bit younger, proper, like ex-military, take no shit. He's going to knock seven bells out of Bruce Wayne in training type thing. Yeah, for sure. Like when his parents die, he's going to pull him up by his bootstraps type thing, not yeah. let him like sulk in it. Where the Alfred in this is kind of like, kind of tending to him yeah. a little bit, isn't it? Yeah. So, yeah. Um, he's more of an emotional guidance in this. Yeah, for sure. Uh, yeah, I... Hmm. What else can we talk about with this film? There's obviously a lot that happens visually. There's a lot. Uh, the what do you think about the plot twist that Talia Al Ghul was behind it all along? I'll tell you what she does. What what I do think about this? I think she has the worst death I've seen in a <laughs> movie for a yeah, while. Yeah, it's kind of she like she like flinches. She's like, I'm dead. <laughs> it's like, yeah, it, it's like what? Great it's, actress again, though. Yeah, uh, no, she's brilliant. She just can't die. She just can't do a good death. That's that's the problem. I've forgotten from there. how to pronounce her name. When she, I mean, she is in a seat of a truck when she dies, but it is it is awful. It is awful. Um, the other thing, while we're on the topic of that, when that whole chase is happening in the streets. Why the hell does that Batwing shoot at the truck with the nuclear reactor in it? <laughs> Isn't that the question? <laughs> like, when these are the sort of things that I think when I'm watching this film, and I'm like, why the hell is he shooting you at it? He just killed everybody. <laughs> yeah, like, in real life, that would have detonated. That's like a, a Batfleck thing to do. Don't do that. Marion Courtyard, I think is how you pronounce it. Lovely. She's fantastic. Yeah, she's Again, very good. she's now a... Because Nolan alum being in Inception and everything. Yeah. Well, Tom Hardy as well, to be fair. Exactly. I'd say. Dunkirk, Inception. Right. He was in Inception, Tom Hardy, yeah. right? Yeah, he was. Yeah. And so yeah. was Joseph Gordon-Levitt and Michael yep. Caine. Yep. There you are. He likes his cast. 
likes mm-hmm. his cast. Could you imagine if uh, Leonardo DiCaprio showed up in the Batman trilogy? Holy moly. Who would he play? Oh, yeah, what villain would you give Leonardo DiCaprio? Oh, you think he would be the villain? I think he'd be a villain. Um, I think he'd, be, he'd do a good Riddler. Maybe. Yeah, I th- yeah, I think I've seen people say that. Who would I have him from the Batman Rose Gallery? The voice of Killer Croc. <laughs> <laughs> the voice of um, King Shark. Deadshot. No. 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 He'd be um, a weak Deadshot. He'd be a weak Deadshot. <laughs> he'd be a totally um, weak Deadshot. I can't think now. I think Rid- that's why Riddler's probably him... a decent shout. Yeah, I think that's why I'd give him the Riddler. Um, my mind's drawing a blank now. No, I don't think... He would have made a pretty cool Ooh. Two-Face. Oh, no, I'll tell you who he'd make a very good. Maybe like a Captain Cold or something. Okay. Maybe he'd be a very interesting Mr. Freeze, Captain yeah. Cold. No, not Mr. Freeze. Like, Flash okay. Captain Cold. Oh, oh, yeah, oh. no, not Mr. Freeze. Like a Flash Although Captain. Mr. Freeze, he could be like a proper, like, you know, like from the animated series, like a proper tortured Mr. Freeze, maybe. Yeah, maybe. That'd be very cool. Change up the style of him. Don't have him looking like Arnie with a big helmet and everything. Yeah, yeah. Interesting. I- I'm kind of done with this as, as a series so like what i'm kind of done with it i'm kind of done who is who the music is been... fantastic as well Just yeah good bit. music like, dun, dun, yeah dun, dun. All the i'll do the michael kane you do the music <laughs> <laughs> all, all the way through it yeah. um yeah i don't know who who has been right we're coming to the end of two episodes where we talk solidly about batman right batman and the probably the next time we're going to talk about Bat- batman is going to be when we get <laughs> robert batman yeah when we get robert batman in the, the batman. also we missed it in the news uh you know the motorbike costume reveal there was a woman on the other bike so no we probably catwoman we talked about this. Did we talk about the... Yeah, the, the, we talked okay. about it. Yeah. I didn't realise that. No, no. We said I, thought, probably, I thought we forgot that Probably bit. the stunt stat standing for yeah. Catwoman, because it yeah. wasn't actually Robert Patterson that we saw. No. When we also, were talking... they had motion trackers on his face to yeah, replace when, the face. When we were talking about saying, it doesn't really look like him, or it looks like he's really beefed up, it's, it's not him. It's, it's definitely his, not. It's his yeah. stunt double. Yeah. yeah. He's probably in Pinewood shooting some yeah. more juicy scenes, maybe, yes, yes, for yes. it. Um, but yeah, so... We. I think you were going to ask me who my favourite yeah, live-action so, Batman was. So, yeah, <laughs> I think who, that's where he's leading. So let's just talk the more recent ones. So you've got. Um, we'll do. We'll do Michael Keaton. Say nothing before Michael Keaton. Okay. Or, so uh, not Adam West. So not Adam West because I think maybe he's a very very different Batman. Yeah. So he probably doesn't fall. And by the way, when I said that um, Christian Bale was our first dark depiction of batman no michael keaton was pretty dark to be fair mm. but he he definitely couldn't move his think, neck with the cow yeah i think um, the world was darker in that one like yeah so you've got a choice between michael keaton you've got christian bale you've got um ben affleck and then val kilmer val george, kilmer, clooney. george clooney and then you've got what we have so far of robert patterson are you asking me who my favorite is yeah um, or who do you think is going to do the best job? Okay, my least favourite is George Clooney. Yeah. Uh, the nipples didn't help. No, definitely not. <laughs> the nipples aren't the reason, but the no, nipples they, didn't help. They don't help. Um, probably Val Kilmer or... See, I think everything around Christian Bale's Batman was better than his Batman. Yeah, I agree. I think the Batman and the costume was maybe a little bit weak. And I, I think it's the villains that make that yeah, Gordon's yeah. story. And the, the writing of it. Yeah, yeah the visual of um, it. Probably Michael Keaton would 
possibly have to top it then just by talking about this. I did like Ben Affleck's. I feel like there was so much unfulfilled potential there. Yeah, I think he was overshadowed. He was a lot very by... much like the Batman that I like in the comic books at the moment. Yeah, he needed to have his own film first. Really, yeah. they needed to do the Batman with him in it first yeah. before they did Dawn of Justice. Yeah. But he was always subsidiary to everything else. I think we'll never know whether he, no. he was going to be a brilliant Batman. I think we we he's good in what he is. Yeah, but I don't think we we're ever going to know whether he would be a brilliant standalone yeah. Batman. So, but I I kind of don't want to even put him in the list because I feel like we'll be doing a disservice mm-hmm. to him if we rank him low just based off his films. Yeah, like because he, he I feel like he got shafted by Warner yeah. Brothers. I think, so I'd probably say Michael Keaton favorite, Ben Affleck, Val Kilmer, George Clooney, Christian Bale. I said Batfleck, didn't I? I meant um, Christian Bale. Yeah. Okay. So Val Kilmer, Christian Bale. Yeah. No, I'm saying Valka. Oh, I'll get him. <laughs> okay, Michael Keaton. Yeah. Christian Bale. Yeah. Val Kilmer. Yeah. George Clooney. Okay. That's all of them. Okay. You're not putting any judges on Robert Battenbat yet? Not yet. I'm interested because I really like Robert Batson's yeah. career at the moment. I, I'm just calling him Batson now. We, by we, can't, we can't use his real name anymore. I, I think maybe out. leading up to the Batman coming out, maybe we do... A look at loads of Robert Patterson films. Have you seen Good Time? Nope. I've not seen Lighthouse. That's good. I have not seen Lighthouse yet. No. I want to watch that very soon. I think his Batman is gonna be very surprising. Yeah. My I'm gonna give you a prediction. Okay. My prediction Hot take. My prediction is Robert Patterson's Batman is gonna be the best depiction of Batman we're gonna get on screen. Okay. And everyone is gonna be extremely surprised. He's not gonna be over the top. He's not going to kill anybody. He's not going to have the tropes that people didn't like about Batfleck. Mm-hmm. Uh, I may think maybe the villains aren't going to be the best villains that we're going to get, but I think him yeah. as Batman, I think is going to be one of the best. Not as Bruce Wayne. Not as Bruce Wayne. I think him as Batman. See, I think he can do probably both of them pretty yeah. well. That's my prediction, though. I reckon he's... I think that's something that Christian Bale did really excel at, was yeah. his Bruce Wayne was really good. So when, when the film comes out next year... We can sit back and reflect on this episode. Yep. If this podcast well, is still hot, take still hot, hot enough. <laughs> if we're still going. Uh, <laughs> we've still got that ninety day subscription. <laughs> yeah, fifty two episodes later. Um, what episode will that put us on? This is episode twelve, so we will be on episode sixty five. Should technically be well, depending on when it comes out, but at least episode sixty five. Yeah. We will reflect on this moment right now and see whether Sam was right about whether the Batman was the new like a bit like the joker about what what joaquin phoenix has done with the joker yeah. i reckon we're gonna get a similar thing with the batman i think that's just what works i think they know what people want from these films now i, I think, think matt reeves in... is the director to do it yeah definitely like he is just going from hot, like strength to strength at the moment i really like yeah. the uh, planet of the apes ones carrying on from what you said i don't think the villains will be weak but i think no, I don't think the Batman's going to carry it rather than the yeah, villains carrying I think, it. I think he's going to raise the level of all these actors. Yeah, like because the cast that they've got is fantastic. Yeah, I think maybe the I think the Riddler will be the standout performance. I reckon okay. just because we've not had him for a while. I was thinking. I think Colin Farrell's Penguin's going to be good. Don't get me wrong. That's why I was thinking because Colin I, Farrell can sometimes just pull something out of the bag, yeah. and you're not surprised. I think uh, you're not yeah. expecting. They're definitely going to be overshadowed by Robat, though. Yeah, to be honest. So I think that's all we've got time for 
on this extra episode. This is in between episodes, right? So yeah. this is coming out on Wednesday. Yes. So next week, let's decide now, Chris. What should we do an episode on? Ooh. I've got an idea. Live on podcast. Go on, then. <laughs> I just asked you that uh, for me to tell you my idea. <laughs> okay. But I, I, I okay to... And I'll tell you whether I think it's a uh, doggy do or let's do. Why don't we do? We've we've not seen Sonic yet. I don't really want to dedicate a whole episode to Sonic. Video game movies. Video game movies. Um. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Should we do video game? Uh, movies? Have you seen Detective Pikachu? No. That can be your homework. Okay. I really liked it. Have you seen we'll Sonic? I've not seen Sonic yet. No, two days later, that's your homework. Okay, I'm hoping to see that. Have you seen Tomb Raider? No, that's my homework. Have you seen the Angelina Jolie Tomb Raider films? Back too in long, the day, you probably did. Too long ago, my homework. Um, There's a lot of homework for this episode. we yes. got to watch a lot of films. What other video game movies are there? Let us know in the comments uh, down below. Hopefully yeah. soon, so that we can watch them in time and record the podcast. You can time. also let us know by following us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. Yeah, that will be the easiest way. Yeah, at GetRealPod. Also... Uh, we should probably put it out on the socials. We'll put a tweet out. We'll put a uh, Instagram message uh, question thing. Yeah, let people answer it for us. What video game movies to cover? Yeah, for sure. That's a good idea, Sam. Very good idea. If it was I don't not say Doggy so Do. It was Let's Do. Let's Do. <laughs> That's our new rating system. Not Doggy Do. It's Let's Do. <laughs> I like it. Don't forget it. We're gonna, Don't forget we're it. Gonna give that's, that. the, that's our first segment name. That's how we're scoring these video game movies next week. <laughs> Doggy do or let's do. <laughs> okay. Right. Let's go or let's know. On top it's of Mario. <gasps> Super Mario Brothers. Okay, right. We need to start. We need to save it for next week. So, yeah, obviously, in addition to socials, you can email us at getrealpoduk at gmail.com. And what should R E E L? R E E L. And what should people do, Chris? They should rate us five stars on Apple Podcasts. They should follow us on uh, Spotify. Just don't forget to share us with your friends. We are available on Stitcher, iHeartRadio, all the major podcast networks. And thank you so much for listening to this epic two-parter. And we will see you next time. On Monday. Goodbye.